a call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world till he returns. These are the stories and conversations about God's mission and the people dedicating their life to it. I'm your host, Paul Aiken, provost and professor of missions at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is Amazon to the Himalayas. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. This season, we're focusing on different mission organizations. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking and learning about Radius International. I'm talking with my friend, Brooks Boozer, the president of Radius. Brooks has served in this role since 2016. Before that, he and his family served in Papua New Guinea among the Yimbi Yimbi people. And he'll share more about that in a moment. But what I appreciate about Brooks is He's a careful thinker, and he's very passionate about training people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to disciple people, and to see healthy churches planted in those kinds of contexts around the world. So, Brooks, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, brother. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. Why don't you just start by maybe reminding our listeners briefly about your personal missions experience? Yeah, so my personal missions experience is my wife and I moved over to the country of Papua New Guinea in 2003. We moved in among the Yembi that you mentioned. They had been asking for missionaries for seven years based on what they saw happening around them. Another missionary team had moved in upriver from them. So we moved in, built our house among them along with our two coworkers. It took two years to learn their language. And we taught them how to read and write. We had to develop an alphabet, a better name for that is an orthography, and then started into the Bible translation and teaching simultaneously. I was in charge of all the Pauline epistles and all the gospels and all of Peter and John, basically everything in the New Testament except for <laughs> Mark, Hebrews, and the book of Acts and the Pentateuch. And so that was my job. It took us nine years to finish that and to see a church planted by God's grace that has its own elders, its own deacons. And we just found out three months ago, they're sending their first missionaries out to another language group to reach them. So they're learning their language. So it's a neat thing to see your spiritual children, so to speak, moving beyond where you were at. Uh, Praise the Lord. I appreciate you taking some time to share about that ministry. I want to shift gears. You're not in Papua New Guinea anymore. Now you're in, I believe, Southern California and you're the president of Radius. Can you tell us about your organization, some of the background? How did it get started? Why did it get started? What was the original goal of the organization? Yeah, so long before I was done in New Guinea, a group of pastors and missions pastors, most of them from Southern California, were getting together and were kind of commiserating over why so many of their missionaries were going to the field and not lasting very long. And so they started to come up with the idea that okay, we need to do some research and figure out what's the missing ingredient for why our people are going overseas. And typically, it's not lasting longer than two years. And at that point in time, it was close to 60, 65% didn't last. If they were coming from North America, from the English-speaking world, they didn't last very long. And so out of that, out of a bunch of research and two or three years of getting kind of all of their ducks in a row from 2008 till 2011, they formed this school and they formed Radius to answer that question. What do we need to put into these students before they go? It's not a sending agency, but a training school that we feel like will fill these gaps so that they will be able to stay on the test of time, that they'll stay longer. Because that's a notorious 
North American Achilles heel is that we just, it tends to be, especially in recent generations, a harder thing for them to stick in some of these places because they're missing certain skill sets or there's certain trainings that they haven't gotten. Okay. So I appreciated the way you kind of highlighted there that that you kind of describe yourself as a, a training organization, not as a sending organization. Can you just maybe talk briefly about what you see to be the distinction between the two? Yeah. So the massive distinction would be that once they graduate from our program, the students go typically with sending organizations. So sending organizations come down to us. So that would be an example would be like the IMB, Frontiers, Reaching and Teaching, Global Serve International. They'll come down during our program and they'll recruit our students to join their agencies. And so when they graduate from us, They don't belong to Radius. They certainly don't belong to their sending agencies. They belong to their local church. But in conjunction with their local church, they get to kind of compare these sending agencies and then go with them. So we're more of a finishing school, if you will. You have to have a college degree to go to Radius. We prefer you to have some theological background. But post that, Radius is kind of the capstone because a lot of the skill sets that we teach are perishable skill sets. If you wait on them too long, you'll lose some of the traction. You'll lose some of the benefit. Okay, that's good. Well, I want to jump into the, you mentioned the training program. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? How long does it take? You know, what does the curriculum look like? You know, anything along those lines? Yeah, so the program is, if you speak English, the program is located just across the border in Mexico. We believe that if you train a cross-cultural missionary in a cross-cultural context, you get a much better product, so to speak, at the back end of it. And in Tijuana or in Mexico, we can do a lot more and training them for what it's going to be like. And we can also bring in certain aspects of training that you just can't do in Orlando, Florida or Louisville or San Diego. But the program will have a high work rate. So we take away their Internet the second day that they're down there. And it's amazing their ability to read good books Uh, just goes through the roof. Their ability to think critically just increases. A lot of them didn't know how handicapped they were, particularly by social media. They can write emails to their home churches and their families on Sundays, but that's it. They're open to a whole new world as far as thinking and processing things without that outward stimuli. We also have early morning workouts. We're not trying to make Navy SEALs, but healthy missionaries last longer. That's just a flat-out fact. And so, Some of these guys are big brains. They've come from some really good cerebral backgrounds, and to be tested in that way is really healthy for them. We have one-on-one discipleships where a staff couple will take a group of seven to ten, and we'll walk them through the entire nine months that they're with us in the program. They get a little bit of time off at Christmas. They come back in. They get a little taste for what it's like to re-enter into the Western world and kind of apply some of the things that they've learned We major a ton on cross-cultural church planting and on language acquisition. The big Achilles heel for North American missionaries, all that study that those Southern California pastors did, was that most North Americans never get truly fluent. They get partially fluent when they get overseas, but they don't get what we call worldview fluent, to where they can speak off the cuff about heavy matters. They can handle... Q&A in a foreign language. And so getting our students up to speed, we don't teach them Spanish. We teach them how to learn a language, and then they apply the steps to the Spanish language so that they can take that and they can apply that in China, in India, in Indonesia, Afghanistan, wherever they end up Mm -hmm. going. So Mm -hmm. it's a fairly intense program. You've got to be pretty tied on to get into the program. We vet heavily the front door, but we've only had 12 people 
in the entire 13 years that the program's been going drop from the program because we vet strongly who gets into the program. If their church vouches for them, if they have high discipline rates, if they know where they want to go and they want to get to an unreached language group, that's how we phrase that. We think it's better than unreached people groups. I can explain that later. But if they want to go there, this is going to be the best school for them, we believe, and I think a lot of other churches and institutions believe, just because it's a great preparatory course, it's going to give them a good taste for what the field will feel like, but also it'll give them the classes to prepare them for when they step off the plane the first day overseas. Hmm. I appreciate what, what you said there, and you you kind of mentioned a couple of things that kind of piqued my interest, and so I want to kind of combine kind of two questions into one one, you just talked about kind of vetting on the front end, kind of how important that is. I would love for you to speak maybe a little bit more about what that vetting looks like. Is maybe what what does the application screening kind of process look like for them? And then kind of tied with that, one of the things I love about you know you and the organization is the high emphasis on the local church. So can you talk some about the vetting on the front end and then kind of the role of the local church with those that come through the program? Yeah. So your three main criteria for getting into Radius are one that you have to have a college degree. We just feel like somebody who has accomplished something, who has seen something through, that's really helpful. Uh, It also shows a maturity. And then if you're going to get into a closed access country, a degree from a U.S. institution, doesn't really matter what it is. There are better degrees and worse degrees. But if you get one from a U.S. institution, it helps a lot. They've Number two, they've got to be at least headed towards or open to going to an unreached language group. And then number three is the biggie. It's do they have the full recommendation of their local church? And we really want to put the local church in the driver's seat because a lot of them will hear a great sermon from David Platt or Paul Washer or something like that. They'll get excited about missions, but they never, most of them through college, were never faithful church members before they wanted to go into missions. And so the the church doesn't know them. The church can't vouch for them. We're going to tell, that's the number one reason we turn people away is we're going to say, brother, sister, go back to your local church, have them get to know you, and then come back to us in two years. Like, get that kind of participation, that involvement in the local church under your belt. Because, again, the local church is the means and the goal of the Great Commission. If it's not emanating from them, Radius is a handmaiden to that. The IMB, Frontiers, Pioneers, those are handmaidens to the local church. And so we want to keep that right kind of structure and right prominency in place. And it helps us when we put them in the driver's seat. So we will vet on those three categories. Now, we'll also ask the local church when we find out that they have a local church, they vet or they will give the full endorsement. We're going to ask for social skills. There's a lot of weird people in missions, just being flat out honest with you. And if they are not high on the social skills, we're going to ask them to come down. We're going to visit. We're going to ask the present student body to take them out for tacos, get to know them. Would you want to partner with them? Would they be someone to where in nine months can they grow? Because not everybody has all that dialed in, but you want to vet. There's a lot of unique things. But here's the thing. If their social skills make them awkward here, it makes them twice as awkward in Indonesia. It makes them 10 times worse in Tajikistan. So this fallacy that's kind of been prominent in missions that, well, they're strange here, they'll be perfect overseas is exactly wrong. So that's something that we kind of watch fairly closely. Amen. Amen. You talked some about theological training, theological preparation, equipping, you know, can you talk some about that? Yeah. What is the role of theological education for potential missionary candidates? Do they need theological training? Do you think that's a help? Is that a hindrance? Yeah. 
No, it's a tremendous help. Missionaries who don't know their Bible have done more damage in the last 50 years than probably any other force, just because they have a partial gospel or an incomplete, or they don't know how to communicate the gospel and the church clearly. And so we're going to put, the again, the local church in the driver's seat and ask them how much theological education their members have before they come to us. We are not a seminary or a Bible school in disguise. Any seminary or Bible school that can teach a subject matter better than we can, we're not going to teach that. There's two areas where we're going to dive in deeply, and that's going to be on soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and ecclesiology. Because if you get those two areas right in missions, you wipe out about 90% of the issues. And so those will be the only two areas that we will overlap with theological institutions I'm thankful, though, as we have more and more seminaries that are producing an MDiv program where they can do three years with them, fourth year with Radius, and they get the MDiv. We're seeing more and more. I'm hoping we'll get one of the Southern schools fairly soon here, but we've got Masters coming on, Cedarville coming on fairly soon, and our friends at Greenville Seminary and a couple at International Reformed Baptist and then a couple in the UK as well are producing these. So we're finding more of our high school students that are going to go with them because they can get their theological education in three years. And then the fourth year, they can get it at Radius. Because if they know their Bible, they're going to be much better equipped for the subject matter that they get at Radius. The Strengthened MDiv from Southern Seminary offers 21 credit hours of electives, allowing you greater personalization to meet your ministry goals. Use these electives to specialize your study by earning additional credentials in the form of graduate certificates that will equip you for a more effective ministry. Learn more about the new Southern Seminary MDiv at sbts.edu slash new MDiv. You talked a lot about some of the trainings being oriented more towards, you know, learning language, some soft skills, some of those kinds of things. Can you tell us about what kind of work or type of work those who go through Radius as they get out to the field, what kind of work are they doing around the world? Yeah, so almost exclusively, Radius, Mark Dever likes to call it, they're going through two sonic booms. If you measure missions in language, so you've got the Hindi-speaking world, you've got the Mandarin-speaking world, you've got the English-speaking world, praise God. This year is the 500-year anniversary of William Tyndale starting the translation of the Bible into the English-speaking language for the first time in history, the complete Bible. And so we're going to celebrate that in October down in Jacksonville, Florida. But if you measure it in languages, the last unreached language groups of this world are not national languages. They're minority people group languages. And so every one of our students are wanting to get past what Mark calls those two sonic booms. They've got to learn the first language of the country that can be Bahasa, that can be Urdu, that can be anything. But then they've got to get to the minority language that has no disciples, no gospel, and most importantly, no church among them. And so every one of them, for the most part, I shouldn't say every one of them, about 98% of them are headed that way. And we've got about 430 or so graduates around the world now from this program and then the Mandarin-speaking program they're all headed in that trajectory. That's what we're training them for, is to get to those locations. Now, some of them are going to have to do business, so we teach them how to church plant in those locations. We teach them how to learn languages. We also teach them how to get a business that can get them in the country, and most importantly, can get them to stay. We're really proud. All of our graduates that made it into China are still in China today, didn't get kicked out. To have a legitimate platform and to stay tight, to know how to We have a good class called Access and Identity, how you get into these places, but then what your identity is when you get in there. 
We do a lot on K&R, kidnap and ransom. We're we're the skill sets that a lot of guys are going to need when things get really down or when you're getting into a very difficult place. Mm. To get to those hardest to reach places is going to require specialized training. The U.S. military knows that very well. The missions community is waking up to that. Mm, That's good. Practical question. Does the program, what does it cost? And do most people support raise? What does that look like? Yeah, the fundraising is a variety of ways. Obviously, if their church is bought in, most of them are going to have their churches behind them. It's 1600 a month for a single student. Multiply that times nine. That's the entire program. 2500 a month for a couple. Multiply that times nine. That's the entire cost for them. So we have a good little army of donors and foundations that want to see these guys succeed. And so Finances haven't been a big issue for our graduates. If you're willing to go through some of the things that we put you through down there, most churches and individuals know these guys are serious just because if if you're going to do that for your training, we take you at your word that you're serious about getting to the field. Mm, That's good. This may be a, a little bit of an indulgent question for me personally, but can you just maybe tell us an encouraging thing? Maybe an encouraging story that you've heard recently from somebody who went through Radius's program that's serving out in the field that, you know, in the last three, four, five months, you've heard that's been an encouragement to you? Yeah, I think probably the most encouraging thing, because a lot of our students are in their early stages. We've gotten word from our students in India, our students in Thailand, and our students that are over in the Arabic-speaking world. They're learning languages, and some of them will go through language schools to help supplement that initial language. But so far, Radius graduates have the record for the fastest learning of Thai of Hindi and of Arabic, of any missions agency in the history or in the last 60 years. They just learn languages faster. And part of that is they get to practice that. They get to learn the system. And it's a really concentrated program. Disciplined missionaries make it. Undisciplined missionaries do not make it. And so you're driving that ethos into them. We like to say the the program is 60% character, 40% academic. And so you're driving these things down into them. You're getting into the theology of suffering. Suffering isn't just losing a spouse. It isn't just catching malaria. Suffering is also in the mundane, in the day-to-day, in how you keep going when it's boring, when it's drudgery. And we're really proud of our students as they make it overseas. And not just the ones that are setting records, but the ones that are quite average and they just keep plotting. They're just going to keep pressing forward. So that's probably the one that we hang our hat on the most. Yeah, that's good. One more question before we shift gears. You know, a number of mission organizations provide some level of training, but I want to ask you to kind of talk about, I'm giving you permission to kind of talk about Radius in that way. In your opinion, what makes Radius unique and necessary? Yeah, I would say one would be our length. There are trainings, but a lot of those trainings are done off-site the average missionary training is about eight weeks is what we've here. We keep a pretty close finger on the pulse of missionary training around the world. Eight weeks is just completely insufficient if you're going to go plant a church among an unreached language group. Now, if you're going to go fly an airplane, if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to drill wells, that's a different matter. That's a completely different matter. But Radius's training is designed for a specific job. We are we like to say we're not a Swiss army knife. We are a one-bladed knife. We only do one thing, but that one thing that we do, we do really really well. And the proof is kind of in the pudding in that of all of the Radius graduates that have graduated the program, gone to the field, the average attrition for missionaries right now is still somewhere between 60 and 65% come off the field. 
only 8% of radius graduates have come off the field. 92% graduate and keep going to the field, keep pressing on in language learning, building their business, planting that church among that unreached language group. And so it's that supplemental to where we're not trying to encompass all things. Most of them still have to join their agency. Then they go through a candidate school, so to speak. They may do six weeks, seven weeks here, but as with pastors, as with airline pilots, as with doctors, the better trained individuals always do better in their fields, especially in the fields where it's a life and death situation. That's where, again, the U.S. military and a few other things teach us well. Specialized training really has its mm. benefits, especially when it comes to the harder to do jobs. Mm. Off the cuff, any idea how many people have gone through the training total? So in our English-speaking program, it's right around 350. That would be the one that's down in Mexico. And then we've got our well-known campus for Mandarin speakers that's in Taichung, Taiwan. And then we have a secret campus that we sneak out Chinese nationals to that we can't really give out locations. But between those two campuses, there's been another 80. Those campuses just started one of them started six years ago, and then one one of them started just two years ago, and so another 80. So we track our students really well. We track how they do. We track how fast they go, what they struggle with, so we can re-implement those lessons back into the program so that you can produce a better candidate. You've always got to be changing admissions. There's different things you got to be aware of, and so, yeah, we're, we're proud of those. It's around 430 total. Wow, that's amazing. Master of Divinity students can save over $1,800 each semester by training for ministry on the Southern Seminary campus. Join us for our next Southern Seminary Preview Day to learn how the Master of Divinity will prepare you for a lifetime of faithfulness. Register today at sbts.edu slash preview. couple of lightning round, kind of quicker hitting questions. Favorite missionary biography? Oh, hands down, To the Golden Shore by Courtney Anderson. Like if, okay. if a young person hasn't read that, the compliment that to that for females would be the three Mrs. Judsons. It's the three wives of Adoniram Judson, not married, obviously, at the same time, but the three women who were just, I mean, one of these women was literally a Rhodes Scholar. The other two were just crazy sharp ladies and their conviction. But yeah, to the Golden Shore, Courtney Anderson, best missionary biography ever. Close to that is John Payton's autobiography. A fill-in-the-blank question. The greatest challenge facing Radius today is blank. Uh, finding the right staff. We have the missions staff, the staff that know what they're doing, that have field experience, that teach these things to the students. But we are looking for those discipleship couples, couples that are willing to walk away, to come down possibly to Mexico and to live and to disciple well. They got to know their Bible and they got to be willing to love the students enough to tell them the truth. We find that sometimes this mentality of just being everybody's friend, these students have enough friends. They need people that will love them enough to tell them the truth in their marriage, their parenting, and to grow them up through the nine months that they're with us. So we're always looking for good staff. Yeah, that's good. Last question, Brooks. Someone's listening right now and they say, okay, You've convinced me. I want to be trained with the help of Radius. What are their first steps? What advice would you give to them? Well, I mean, their first steps obviously would be talk to your church, make sure they're on board with what you're thinking about, praying about. And then if you are completely ready after that, go to radiusinternational.org. And in the top right-hand corner is an application and fill out your application and get it in. If you're still wondering, okay, I maybe want to see this or know it a little bit better, 
the best way to get to know us, hands down, is to come for a visit. There is a chasm of difference between those who have come for a visit and those who haven't, just because the program makes sense in about five minutes. If you come and you're on campus, uh, it's very different from what people generally envision. While it is a tough program, we try and build our facilities really well. They're top notch and we really build for that. So our next visit day is right around the corner. It's February 8th and 9th of this year. And then the one that's probably more likely for people listening to the podcast would be November 7th and 8th. We have people all over, but it maxes out at 150. So if people are thinking about that, I would get there. You have to apply for it like you get in. You go to radiusinternational.org and then you just punch in radius days and there'll be a little reservation form in there. So if they register for that, they can make that. Otherwise, you kind of get punted to the next one. (laughs) Brooks, thank you uh, so much for your time and for the conversation today. Great, brother. Nice to talk to you again. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Amazon to the Himalayas is brought to you by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. At Southern Seminary, we're preparing the next wave of missionaries, church planters, Bible translators, and more for a lifetime of faithfulness to the Great Commission. To learn more about how Southern Seminary can prepare you to take the gospel from the Amazon to the Himalayas, visit sbts.edu. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.